Amen. Hey, I went to the doctor today. I mean, I went to the doctor Friday. He said to stay on my scooter for two more weeks. And in two more weeks, I can put pressure on my foot. So, so in two weeks, I'm going to walk, okay? Don't, don't tell him. I hope he's not watching. I didn't tell him the Lord already been doing miracles in me. In my foot, but not in my head. Can you bring my Bible and my notebook to me? <laughs> Woo! So another, another week, I'm going to walk on it. And then he said he'd come, come back in five weeks, and then he would release me. So hopefully I'll be wearing a shoe by then. I know y'all like my designer boot. It goes with everything. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I don't want to just cut, cut, cut out any more preliminaries and just get right to the Word today. I, I've been sharing with you uh, that, I, that I wanted to uh, bring this Word to you today because uh, I, I honestly believe that it will transform your life, your Christian walk, if you'll get it. So this is not an original thought or message for me today. This is a teaching from Dr. Bill Buecher. Uh, at our pastor's conference this year, uh, he shared this message. And it so touched our hearts and our lives. And, and, and I mean, just transformed us. And we were like, we get it, but how do we do it? <laughs> so today I can tell you, I hope you get it. But the doing it, we're going to have to walk out a little while. Uh, but it was trans, it was just transforming. And so uh, he gave us permission. We can share it. And, and so um, thank you, Dr. Bill Buecher. Um, but today, I mean, it, it's so simple. And it's stuff that I've talked about, I've preached before, every minister's talked about, you've heard it. But today, I want us to get it. I need you to get it. And so, uh, in, instead of, uh, I'm just going to teach today. I know that's hard for me. I like to jump and run and holler and all that kind of fun stuff. I'm going to try, I'm going to try to just sit here and teach today because I want you to get it. I want you to get the information. I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. Because so many of you, maybe you've been serving God for a short period of time, or maybe you've served God your whole life, but you're still tired, you're, you feel burned out, uh, you, you, you don't feel good enough, you feel like a failure, you don't feel like that you've measured up, you've lived up, you haven't accomplished what you set out to do. And uh, today, I, I, I just want you to be healed. I want to set you free. Today, we're going to go from religion. Today, we're going to go from performance to relationship. Everybody say performance to relationship. And so I, I want us to just uh, just pray, and uh, then we're going to get started. Uh, Amy, maybe maybe cut off. You can not have to cut off all the lights, but just a couple. I want the screen to show up really well because uh, there's just so many things I want them to say. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you today, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. Lord, as this message came to me, Lord, and our team and the staff, Lord, it, it transformed our heart. We said, "That's it. That's what we want. That's what we need." So, Lord, today I want to, to, to share this, to pass it forward. Lord, because this will transform our church. It will transform our families and our lives. And so, Father, we just thank you today for moving us from performance mode into relationship with you. 
In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. 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 Go, go on to that next slide. So, I want to just talk a little bit about uh, how do we move from performance to relationship. I want to talk a little bit about God's redemptive pattern. Because we really see in our lives, we see the same pattern that we see in God's story. All of us start out with hopes and dreams. Man, can you remember as a kid what you wanted to be? What you were going to do? Now, Juliet, uh, for Halloween, she (laughs) is going to be Wonder Woman. Okay? But, from the very first time her mama showed her uh, a, a doll or picture or something of Wonder Woman... Amy got her a Wonder Woman doll, and in her mind, in her hearing, she heard watermelon. That's watermelon. You say, what are you going to be for Halloween? Watermelon. They've tried and tried to tell her it's Wonder Woman. No, it's watermelon. So maybe your desire is to grow up to be a watermelon. I don't know. I know one thing, on Friday to the doctor, I wore an orange shirt, and I looked just like a pumpkin. <laughs> That's another story. That is another hope and dream gone by the wayside. Ten weeks ago, I told Amy, when I have this surgery, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do good. During this time, I'm going to lose weight. That was my hope and dream. Then reality, it's your fault. All of you started bringing food to my door. Pumpkin pies. I mean, the door, knock, 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 meal after meal after meal. And I had to eat it. It would be rude not to. So I sat there in that chair for 10 weeks and gained 20 pounds. See, I had hopes and dreams, but it didn't work out the way. We have hopes and dreams for, for our, our marriage. We have hopes and dreams for our business. Uh, there's all things that we set. We, we set our hopes and dreams into motion. We're going to get this education. We're going to uh, perform this. We're going we're gonna to have this much money in the bank by this amount of time. And we have all these hopes and dreams. And then, reality. You see, we we see this exact same pattern with God. God created everything. He spoke it into existence. Let the darkness be separated from the light. And He created all the things in the world. And He created man in His own image. And He pronounced, it is good. And then it wasn't a while. He walked in the garden and said, where are you? What have you done? Who told you you were naked? God's plan. Things didn't go the way. The design. Now then, he had to put an angel with a flaming sword of fire in front of that tree. And now he had to put creation out of the garden. And now they're cursed instead of blessed. And 
Our hopes and our dreams and marriages fail and businesses fail and finances fail and health fails and all the hopes and dreams that we put into motion don't somehow work out the way that we thought they would. And so then comes the struggle. Because those hopes and dreams meant something to me. They were important to me. And I wanted it to work out. So then I began to try to do what I can to fix it. And I try to control it. And in the control, sometimes I miss what the Holy Spirit is really trying to do in my life. We see this pattern continue with God's story. Man continues, he lets them for a while go by their conscience, but that doesn't work. And then it gets so evil that God destroys man, except for Noah and his family. Then he's sorry about that and says, okay, I'll never do that again. And he starts over with them, but it doesn't take long as man begins to reproduce. They begin to once again do evil in the sight of God. The plan is not going the way... All through the Old Testament, the children of God are constantly their own willfulness to do their thing instead of God's thing. Until finally, in God's redemptive plan, He sends Jesus. It doesn't go the way all the disciples thought it was planned. We'll talk about that later. But God sent his son and Jesus died and now man can we enjoy new creation we can be born again we can get out of that pattern and have a new life but it's the struggle that leads us to the regeneration the renewing ultimately to being who God wants us to be but man it's that it's that struggle that's so hard. And so, uh, in, in God's story, uh, we will see, we just go to this next one. So, so the, the, the key is, to, in this story, is to be able to go from struggle, which we all have. If, you, if you're living a life without any struggle, please come share your secrets. But it, the, the, how do we go from struggle to surrender? See, it it requires more than just hearing a message today. You're going to hear the information, but it's going to take the rest of your life to change your mindset because we are so, we have been so brainwashed, basically. And we have the, the, the definition of success and significance so messed up that it has... Instead of what God wanted it to bring freedom, is now bringing stress and condemnation and people giving up because they can't measure up. But there's a difference. As we, we, we look at, as you go to the next slide, as we look at the, the, the way the world sees uh, a, a success and significance. It defines success and significance in these four ways. And, and this is not taught. It, it, it wasn't taught to me. It wasn't taught to you. You didn't teach it to your kids. It, it, it's just caught. 
It's what they see on TV. It's what they see in magazines. It's what they get on Facebook and TikTok and, and all the, 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 the platforms that they're on. They, they, they see all of these things and, and they figure out that if I'm going to have any significance, if I'm going to feel good about myself, how many wants to feel good about yourself? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to feel good about ourselves. God wants you to feel good about yourself. But see, culture has defined significance and success by the way you look. How am I, how am I supposed to look according to be, to be attractive? What size am I supposed to be? What color is my hair supposed to be? What's my height? What's this? What's this? Whatever. And so we, 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 we try to put everything in this box. And then when we don't fit in that box... Now we're doing everything in the world, making ourselves miserable to try to fit the mold of what culture says we should be. Achievement. These four A's. Achievement. What am I supposed to accomplish in order to be acknowledged? What, what, what degree am I supposed to get? What am I, suppo- what am I supposed to drive? What am I supposed to, to live in? What am I supposed to wear? What, what, what can I accomplish? How much money can I make? How big is my bank account? How many degrees are be on my wall? And the more I get, the better I feel about myself. And the more people congratulate me, which makes me feel good. And this starts. It starts Juliet. It starts with babies. Look at me, Daddy. Look at me, Mommy. And they twirl around and what do we do? <gasps> oh, that's wonderful. So now then they, they learn, oh, if I perform, I get rewarded. They grow in this culture. What can I do? And what, what is my affluence? What do I need to possess in order to be Esteemed. What? What? Because the, 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 the more popular I am, the, the nicer car, the nicer house, the, all this, the, the more people esteem me as important. And if they think I'm important, I must be important. And then, what authority do I have? What type of influence do I need to exert? In order to be significant. I want to be the boss. If I, if I have more employees under me. If I can tell people what to do. If I can put my authority. Then I'm successful. When I'm the boss. So from the very beginning. Of our lives. We just see this in culture. We get it from our parents. We've all done it. It's it's. It's just how it is. But all of a sudden now we get this mindset. So we're, we're, we're doing all these things and we're performing. And then we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we accept Jesus into our heart. And we believe that by grace He saved us and He forgave us of all of our sins. And then we take these four A's and we just baptize them. And we Christianize them. And we bring them into our Christian walk. Saying, if I can do these things, I can please God. And I'll somehow be a better Christian. And I'll somehow be more worthy of His love. And I'll get to go to heaven. 
And then Jesus comes along and he redefines these four A's. He takes the same four A's and he redefines them. As we look at this next slide, we we see that uh, the world says your appearance is external. But remember what God said when Samuel was about to anoint Saul as king? David is king, I'm sorry. He told him, because Samuel was looking for the best looking, the biggest, the tallest, the strongest. And God said, none of them are it. He said, I don't look as man looks. I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. So Jesus came along and he took that A of appearance and he turned it to internal. And said, it's not about how you look on the outside. It's about your heart. It's about what's on the inside. And culture says, you've got to achieve something. You've got to be recognized. You've got to have stature and fame and all. And God comes along and says, it's just about recognition from God. What do I have to do to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant? It's not about what you can do and earn. It's about what he did, as Christy said this morning. And then uh, my, my possessions and my activities and all my affluence over people. And Jesus comes along and says, no, it, it's, it's more about what you give. It's more about your generosity. It's more about contentment with what you have. It's about appreciating where you're at. Not always being lustful and greedy about what you don't have. And always striving to impress. It amazes me how many people. I mean, they're doing everything to impress people they don't even like. You're in debt to your eyeballs because you want everybody to think you're successful. Yet, you're struggling and you're burning out because you're in performance mode in the world and then you've brought it into your Christian relationship and because you haven't been able to measure up who you think you should be and who others think you should be, you feel condemned. And then Jesus said... Instead of authority, instead of having it over others and exerting your control over others, it's more about empowering others. It's more about, Jesus said, who's the greatest among you is going to be the servant. So Jesus came along and he completely changed all of these definitions. And all of a sudden we look at that and we go, wow. How can I get from this set of A's to this set of A's? Over here in performance mode, man, it's stressful, it's pressure, it's tense. If I fail, man, there's guilt and condemnation. But over here, I get to enjoy my salvation. Over here, I get to relax in God. Over here, I get to just... Be who God's created me to be. I'm not in trying to. I'm not trying to impress anybody. God already knows all about me, and He loves me. How do we do that? As we go on to that next slide. So as we begin to go from struggle to surrender, uh, the the biggest challenge is our mindset. 
the way you see things differently. It's hard to go 53 years in performance mode because I'm telling you, I'm in performance mode every week. Because if I preach a good sermon this week, I've got to preach a better one next week. Because I know at lunchtime, you're going to talk about it. And you're going to say either, wow, pastor did a great job today, or that wasn't his best. It's hard as a, as a pastor, it's hard to, to, to not be in performance mode. Why? Because we, I want to do good. But i got to realize that my significance and what God thinks about me has nothing to do with how well I preach or not. doesn't matter if I jump and holler, if I run, if I just sit and talk, it doesn't matter. I mean, God loves me just the way I am. And I don't have to do anything to impress Him. But man, it's hard to not want to impress you. Because I want you to like me. If you like me, you'll come back next week. So, we, we get in that performance mode. As we move on, I mean, changing our mindset as we uh, begin to understand and, and know that, man, there's something better. As we move on, Toledo. Uh, how, because here we, we, we come. Here, here's how you know you're in a performance environment. Whether you're in a performance church, there's whole religions, there's whole denominations that they everything is about performance. It's the way you look, it's what you wear, it, 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 it's how you act, it's what you say, and everyone is judging you on those things. Here's how you know if you're in a performance based environment church, family, business, compare, compete, criticize. Control, conform. We compare how we're different. We compare at how much better we are than them. We compare that we have better worship. We have better revelation. We have better this. We have better that. And we compare... And anytime people compare, they always want to put themselves on top. You ever notice that? And then we compete. How can I be better than you? Oh, you gave $100? Well, I'll give $150. Oh, you do this? Okay, I'll do that. You ever talk to somebody? And, and anytime you're telling them something, they, they, they have better. They've done better. They've done more. If you're sick, they've been sicker. Whatever illness you've had, they've had all that and some more. It's a competition. And then we criticize. What flaws can I find in you? Oh, you gained 20 pounds. My Aunt Lisa, I love my Aunt Lisa with all my heart. She was always just skinny as a beanpole. And she could not stand. She, I mean, she'd watch, watch, she, and she'd just, oh my goodness, weight was the biggest thing in her mind. It was just terrible. And so I could gain five pounds, and she'd come to church, she'd pat me on the tummy, and she'd say, this is, this is not a good uh, uh, um, uh, example you're setting for the people. 
you need. I'm telling you, she, she, she's hurt every single person's feelings in our family. How many people in our family has she called fat? Let me see your hand. There you go. There you go. Love Aunt Lisa to death. Love Aunt Lisa to death. Now I'm not going to say that. Conform. How can, I, how can I fit in and be accepted? What do I need to do? How, how, how do I need to act? People go to church, they go to a church, and they look around. Okay, so if I look like you, act like you, if I talk like you, if I, if I wear this, don't wear this, and do it, then I can fit in. So now that I want to conform. And there's whole religions, whole denominations that want you to conform to their image of what they think holiness is. And then... Control. How can I produce the desired outcomes? How can I make you do what I... And, and, and pastors do that. Preachers do that. Leaders do that. People, they, they try to control and dictate and mandate. and You've got to do this in order to be accepted or to be okay. And so we get in that mindset, but then Jesus came along and, and He took all those same things. And He said, no, instead of comparing, we're going to connect. What do we have in common? I don't care what we have different. My hair's brown. I don't care if your hair's blue. Ah, yeah. I saw your new blue hair. I saw the process on Facebook. Yeah. I could care less if your hair's blue. It's pretty. My hair's brown. Your hair's blonde. Your hair's gray. Your hair's white. You don't have any hair. Who cares? Stop looking at people and go, Oh, oh, they have that and I don't, so I must be better than them. No, you're not. You're not. We're not comparing. We're connecting. What do we have in common? What can I do? What can I do to help you be better? Not how can I look and see what you have that I can pick on and it's a flaw and so now I can... Elevate myself above you. How can I collaborate? How can we work together? How can we have compassion? We see Jesus. He came right in the middle of the greatest time of performance with the Pharisees. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he came and he said, it's about compassion. The law said, don't touch that leper. It'll, you'll be unclean. And Jesus went and touched him and made him whole. He wasn't afraid. He had compassion. And he said, how can we create? Instead of conform, let's create. Amen. We're, 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 we're co-equals. We, we create with our words. We create our life. We can co-create with God. Amen. We can continue to help us each other grow. Stop criticizing, controlling, conforming, and co- trying to compare. And he said, come on. Instead of controlling people, just be centered in the Spirit. How can I do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do? Because I promise you, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to criticize somebody. Compete with somebody or try to control somebody. So it's a mindset. These are two mindsets and two uh, perceptions. One is of the world, which we all live by. We've all done it our whole lives. Because we, we want to perform. We want to be good. But how many knows? Sometimes you get tired of performing. And sometimes your performance is not up to par. And sometimes you fail. And then 
you feel condemned you feel worthless you can go a, I'm just a moment from a high of feeling wonderful you did great and one person make a comment it don't even have to be in person it can be on Facebook with somebody you don't even know And your whole day's ruined. Your joy is gone. And you just feel worthless. It's a mindset. Let's move on to that next slide. How can we... So, so performance versus relational mindsets. Perception. How we see people. Performance. When Jesus came. I mean, tax collectors. Oh, tax collectors. Uh, they've always had a bad rep. How many loves the IRS? See, y'all laughing at them. You're criticizing. (laughs) That's what they did. Priorities. What we think is important. You know, he said in the last days there will be some that come to him and say, Jesus, we cast out devils in your name. We did this. We did this. We did that. What are those things? Somebody tell me. Performance. I did this. I preached this. I cast out devils. I did this. I did that. And Jesus said, I'll say unto you, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because he said, it's not performance. There was no relationship. I mean, as pastors, as ministers, as people, I mean, how, 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 do, we do, how do we treat the Word of God? Do I use this Bible to beat people over the head? Do I say, this is the law, and you've got to measure up, and if you don't, you're going to hell? Or do I use this Word to lead and to guide you, to teach you about the love of God, and His compassion, and His mercy, and His grace, and to pick you up when you fail, and encourage you, When you're weak. How do we as ministers. Treat the word of God. I have to say there's many times. We're more like the Pharisees. Than we are like Jesus. Because of our mindset. Because we think it's about performance. And when people don't. Measure up. To how we think they should do or be. Then we want to criticize them. Let's move on to that next. So, just, I'm going to just talk to you just about a few, few different things today. This is the last slide, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. There was tons of stuff I could uh, talk to you about, but time. So, let's talk about the Pharisees for just a moment. You can leave, you can leave that last slide up, Talita, if you would. Because we're, we're going to cover those four stories So let's talk about the Pharisees for just a moment. Now, the Pharisees came into being between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They came uh, for a good reason. I mean, they felt like that the people of God were losing their identity. And and it was just, I mean, things that they hadn't had a word from God in, you know, many hundreds of years. And uh, time had gone on and people were losing their identity. So the Pharisees, I mean, they got to form this group. And okay, we want to obey the laws of God. It was very sincere. They wanted to honor God and keep His law. But, they began to interpret the law of God with their own thinking and their own understanding. and So they began to take the law, they took the Ten Commandments, 
and turned it into 613. Am I right, Ashlyn? 613. She did a report on it in school. 613 rules, laws, from those 10. So they said, okay, what does it mean? So, so, so honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So what does that mean? Hmm, okay. Well, well, I guess we can't work. Can't work, okay. And uh, Well, well, how far can we go from home? Well, I guess we can, we can only take this many steps. And I guess you can only carry this much stuff. And you can only do this and 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 this. And none of it was what God said. It was their interpretation of what they thought was honoring the Sabbath. And all they did was make rules and regulations that imprison people. Put such a heavy burden on them that nobody could keep. Including them. And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus comes at a time when the Pharisees, I mean the Sadducees, and I mean all the different groups there, uh, they, they, they were incompetent, they were running, they were under Roman law, but they had their own thing going too, and it was corrupt. How I many of those governments can get corrupt? Religions can get corrupt. And so all of a sudden, now, yes, Jesus, God said, bring a sacrifice. But now then, they've got booths set up outside where you can go buy your sacrifice. Now they're making money. and The whole thing's messed up. And then Jesus comes along and He begins to teach them a different way. And, And sometimes when we... The only way we can get out of performance mode is usually because of a crisis. Because when you're in performance mode and you're doing good, you got the money, you got the job, you got the prestige, you got the influence and everything. You're, why do I want to change this? This is awesome. It's when you have a crisis in your life and you can't perform your way out of it. It's when you've done everything you can do and you still are not happy. You still feel miserable. You still don't even know am I going to go to heaven when I die. And you're, you're, you're not at peace with your soul. And you're at odds with things and people. And your life is a mess. People begin to say, there's got to be something different. There's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a better way than the way I've been doing it. And Jesus came along and said, there's a better way. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't know about you, but even in my Christian walk... My yoke hadn't always been easy. (laughs) My burden hadn't always been light. Sometimes it felt like it was more than I can bear. But I kept trying to perform my way out of it. I kept saying, I'll do better tomorrow. 
I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't preach good. I'm sorry I didn't do this. I'm sorry I didn't. I'll do better tomorrow. Please don't beat me over the head. Please don't strike me dead. There's people that feel that way. I didn't perform up to par. and Now God's mad at me. And we're in this mindset and it's miserable. And people in that place say, i got to have a change. And Jesus come along and said to the disciples, we're going to do this all different. They thought, see, their, their image of Messiah, Jesus is coming. He's going to deliver us from Roman rule. He's going to lead the fight. We're going to fight. We're going to war. Amen. We're going to build an army. We're going to take over. We're going to kill all the Romans. Amen. We're going to rise and we're going to be in charge again. And Jesus came along didn't fit that mold he started breaking the sabbaths he broke the sabbath he healed a man on the sabbath what was he thinking and then he said the sabbath wasn't man wasn't made for the sabbath The Sabbath was made for man. I mean, he told them, if if your ox falls in a ditch, in the law, they could get the ox out on the Sabbath. He said, how much better to heal a man with a withered hand? Oh, but no, you, you just went too far now. You performed on the wrong day. What you did was good. It was just on the wrong day. Oh my goodness. Criticize. Compare. Compete. Condemn. condemn. I mean it was constant. And so. Jesus told the disciples. I mean mean, he, he told the Pharisees. He said. On the outside. Because the Pharisees they prayed loud prayers. They would come in the temple and they would pray loud prayers. They were all dressed up and they would have the, the, the word of God on their head. And we've been to Israel. They're there. They're, they're, they're moving. They're quoting the word. I mean, they're doing everything. He said, on the outside you look good, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. And you're twice the sons of hell. You know, he said, and you're making people twice the sons of hell than you are. You are putting all these rules and regulations. He said you tie up burdens on them that are too heavy to bear and you don't do anything to help. It's all for show. It's all performance. But you have no relationship. So Jesus... It's going around. If you, if you haven't got a chance to watch The Chosen, I, I, I encourage you. It's good. It, 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 it takes some liberties and it fills in things, but, it, but it, it's, it's biblically uh, sound. It's good. I, I really, the, the first one got kind of slow, but at the end, you're just like, oh, man. And then you're hooked. And so you go, go, to your, go to your phone app, do The Chosen. It's a free app. You can watch it on your phone, your computer, or if you have a smart TV, uh, you can mirror it. Right up on your, on your TV. Uh, if you don't have a smart TV, husbands, good time. Tell you why. Pastor said I need a smart TV. Uh, 
because we need to watch the chosen. And if I watch football on it too, well, you know. No, don't get me in trouble. Don't blame that on me. But Sam's has some good deals. I'm just saying. So Jesus comes along and he calls Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. They hated tax collectors. They cheated people. They stole. And they hated them. And Jesus called him to follow him. And he did. And he goes and, and, and so Matthew invites him over to dinner. And they come over to dinner and they're sitting there. And the Pharisees come in and go, oh, He's eaten with tax collectors and sinners. See, that, that, you know you're in a performance-based environment when people label people. They're a sinner. They're a tax collector. They're ex-con. They're, they're divorcee. They, they're, they're this. They did this. You know, they, they, they label you according to your failure. You know you're in a performance-based environment. Jesus simply said, I came for the sick, not for the whole. And then he, he gave them an assignment. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire obedience over sacrifice. Immediately the Pharisees, because they were, they were studying the law. They knew the Torah. They knew the stories. And it was from the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. And God said, I'm not just going to use you to prophesy, but I'm going to use your life as a prophecy. Thank God you didn't call me to be Hosea. Nobody wants to be Hosea. God said, Hosea... I want you to go marry that prostitute. That's what Hosea said. And he did. They had children. And then one day, her name was Gomar. One day Gomar left. She left him. She went back to her lifestyle. I don't know. I mean, if I was Hosea, I'd be like... Whew. I was hoping this day would come. I can move on now. And then God spoke to him and God said, Hosea, go find her and buy her back. What? I don't know how it happened. I'm kind of thinking like an auction maybe. But Hosea went and he paid a high price. For his own unfaithful wife. And he brought her back home again. And God said. Tell my people. This is my people Israel. They have gone a whoring. They have been unfaithful to me. Yet I have loved them. He said tell them. I desire obedience. More than sacrifice. You see performance says. To about Gomar. You're a sinner. You sinned. You failed. You committed all these acts. You're worthy. The law says death, stoning. But Jesus says mercy. The woman caught in adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus. And all the men standing there. This woman's caught in adultery. They picked up rocks. The law says to stone her. What do you say? 
See, sometimes you're going to be caught between performance and relationship. And, and who am I going to please? The powers that be? Or am I going to have the heart of God? Jesus simply said, ye without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one they dropped the rocks and walked away. Because all have sinned and come short of glory of God. And it doesn't matter. Stop comparing your sin. You hear me? Stop comparing your sin. Well, my sin's not as bad as their sin, so I must be better than they are. No, you're not. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And all sin is in need of repentance. And Jesus died for sin. Jesus looked at that woman and said, Woman, where's your accusers? She said, I have none. He said, I tell you what. Here's what I want you to do. I, need, I want you to get up. Go take a bath. I want you to get new clothes. I want you to dress decently. I want you to take all that makeup off. I want you to put your hair up in a bun. I, I, I need you to go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Bible study. I need you to go into to training. I need you to go into Christian education. And I, I need you to get under a pastor. I need you to go to counseling for six months. And after this, we will see if you're worthy of forgiveness. Jesus simply looked at her and said, Woman, where's your accusers? She said, I don't have any. He said, Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. I'm telling you, most of the Christian church would have been in the crowd with the rocks, shouting, Stoner, Stoner, with skeletons in our own closet. We look at the prodigal. I got to hurry. Look at the story of the prodigal son. Let me just real quickly run through it. The, the son comes and says, Father, I can't wait till you die. I want my inheritance now. In other words, I wish he's dead. So the father gave him his inheritance. He went off. He partied. He smoked some weed. He sniffed some stuff. He drank some stuff. He had a good time. And then... The economy tanked. All of his money ran out. And when his money ran out, his friends left. You know who your real friends are when they hang around when you're broke. When you're not the life of the party. He ended up, this is a Jewish boy. Swine were a big no-no. And he ends up getting a job working in the pig pen, feeding the pigs. In such a place that he's eaten with them. And the Bible says he came to himself and said, It's better, the servants have it better in my father's house. I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my dad, Dad, I failed. Let me come back just as a servant and work for you. So, the Bible says the father saw him. A long way off. Can I tell you? The Father's looking for you. Every day the Father was looking for Him. He's never given up on you. No matter what you've done or where you've been. The Father's looking for you. And the Son came and the Father saw Him. And He ran to Him. 
And before the son could get his big speech out, he put a robe on him and a ring on him. And he called him his son. And he said, come. And he told the servants, kill the fatted calf. We're having a party. My son was dead. And he's alive again. And while they're doing all this and the party's going, the elder son comes home. He stayed home with dad. He worked the farm. And when he came home, he asked somebody, what is all this music? What's this mean? They said, oh, your brother's come back. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and said, son, come to the party. And he said, your son. (laughs) You notice? He severed relationship. Your son. Did all this, brought shame to the family and done all that. And I have been here the whole time. Working, milking cows, tending sheep, taking care of the farm, cutting the hay. And you've never killed a fatted calf for me. See, that's performance mode. Look what I've done. I've worked and worked and I've done all this. And you haven't done all this for me. And the father said, son... All of this is yours. You could have had this any time you wanted it. But see, performance, we can't stop and have a party. How in the world could I relax? How could I rest? There's work to be done. i got to do that. i got to prove to the Father that I'm worthy of His inheritance. And the Father said, <laughs> He said, your son. The Father said, your brother has, that was dead has come back to life again. You see, as people, if the father had said, son, you brought shame on this family. You disappointed me. Uh, You've squandered all your money. You've uh, been hanging out with pigs. And you know that's against our laws. And so you're you're defiled. And so you you really blew it. You messed up. So I'll tell you what. I'll take you up on your offer. I'll bring you back. You can sleep out in the bunkhouse and you can work with the servants. And after some time, if you prove yourself to me, then we'll see about reinstating you. Most of us would have said, wow, what a good dad. He gave him another chance. But if the father had done that, he'd have just put him right back on that hamster wheel of performance he'd have just put him right back there now I've got to prove my worth I've got to prove I'm worthy I've got to prove and the father did none of that he didn't care where he'd been who he'd been with or what he'd done he just knew he's my son put a string on his finger give him his authority back put a a, a robe on him come on he is my son he brought him right back into relationship Because that's the heart of God. God doesn't care. You cannot perform your way into heaven. You can only get there by what Jesus Christ did for you. But now they were saved. 
We realize that, and so now it's okay, okay, I don't have to perform to get to heaven, but if I could just keep doing this, baby, I'd keep showing my appreciation for His grace. And uh, the, 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 the early church, they got born again, and, and, and Paul said, you don't have to do all this stuff. But one group came and said, hey, but if you'll just be circumcised, then you'll be better. Because I'm telling you something, people who live in performance mode and have had to live by rules and regulations get mad when other people experience salvation and they enjoy their grace and they don't live under condemnation. Amen. They'll try to come to you and go, oh, wait a minute. You, you need to start performing. You need to start doing this and then you'll be a better Christian. Somebody ever says that to you, say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But we've all fallen into that trap. And most of us have lived our Christian life in performance mode. Trying to please God that was already pleased. Trying to earn God's love and we already had it. Trying to do penance for our sins that were already forgiven. And so, these Pharisees, man, they missed the point. So now Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to his house. I'm sure the other disciples were going, yes, finally, we've got to end with the Pharisees. If Jesus can make a good impression, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, he'll put a good word in, and the Pharisees will get behind Jesus, and man, we're off and running. So they go and they sit down. And here comes a sinner woman. Why do these women mess up everything? (laughs) That's not true. Here comes this little woman with an alabaster box. And she breaks it. And she pours it over his feet. And she begins to weep and worship him. And she dries his feet with her hair. (gasps) If he knew who was touching him... You see, the the Pharisees, if they passed a Gentile, if they saw a Gentile coming, they would go to the other side of the street just in case they brushed up against you and their righteousness was defiled. That's why some Christians sit where they sit in church. Let that sink in just a second. I can't sit by them. They're, They're a sinner. If he knew, if he knew who was touching him, he would be appalled. And then his own disciples said, Whoa, that could have been sold and given to the poor. What is that? Performance. We could have done something. Jesus, he told uh, Simon, he said, I've got something to say to you. He said, say it. He said, there were certain creditors which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon said, I suppose he that was forgiven most. He said, you've rightly judged. He turned to the woman and said, Simon, see this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with all thou didst not, thou didn't anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, 
which are many. Can I tell you this morning? God knows your sins. He said her sins, which are many. I'll find my place in a minute. Just just be patient. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For who she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, thy sins are forgiven. And they sat at meat with him, began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Can I tell you today? Come to Jesus just the way you are. He loves you. Stop trying to perform your way into the kingdom of God. Stop trying to perform and think that He'll accept you more if you do this and that. Stop trying to be better than other people. Stop judging and criticizing and condemning. Stop living by those A's and start living by God's perception of success. Stop looking. Stop looking at how the world determines your effect and start looking at how God sees you. He loves you. In Revelation, as we close today, there's so much more I wanted to say, so much more I wanted to get out, but that's just a simple thought. But, so we have John. Has a vision. He's taken up to the throne. He sees God Almighty on the throne with the seven, with the scroll, with seven seals. Who is worthy to open the seal? And none was found worthy. And John bowed his head and wept. For none was found worthy. But then an elder touched him on the shoulder and said, Don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And he is worthy to open the scrolls. And I'm sure John was Expecting to look up and see a magnificent beast, a lion, with a mane flowing in the wind, with muscles rippling power, with a roar that would go across the heavens. The Bible says when he looked up, he saw it, he saw as it were a lamb that was slain. He was expecting a beautiful beast of a lion. But he saw a bruised, bloody lamb. As John said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The elder said, don't worry. He's worthy. Today you've been beat up. You've been bloodied. Religion has left you dissatisfied. Churches have hurt you. Some of you, there's so many of you watching today, the reason you don't go to church is because church has hurt you. People have hurt you. They let you down. You held a high standard and they couldn't meet it. 
You held yourself to a high standard and you couldn't meet it. You couldn't perform your way out of that situation. And today you feel hopeless and lost. But I want to tell you today, Jesus changed everything. He said the greatest among you will be the least. He says if you want to live, you got to die. He said if you want to save your life, you got to lose it. He changed everything. The whole perspective, the whole way the world looks at success and significance, the way you've lived your life, the way we have preached, and if I have ever preached and, and made you feel like that you had to perform to be accepted by God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I repent. I'm here to tell you today, it's only by His grace. It's only by His mercy. I want you to enjoy your Christian life. I want you to make Jesus Lord of your life and Savior of your soul. And I want you to relax and know that when you die, you're ready and you're going to go to heaven. I used to think, I grew up, I didn't really know all the things to do to be a Christian, but man, I sure knew all the don'ts. We don't do this, we don't do this, we don't go there, we don't do this. I knew the don'ts. But just like Jesus told the Pharisees, you missed it. I missed the whole point. Literally as a kid, I thought, and it was never taught. My parents were sincere and they loved God. And we were uh, in, in a group for a while that they were sincere and loved God. But there was a lot of external holiness. It was by what you did. And it was more outward than inward. Even though it was inward. They loved God with all their heart. And they never taught me this. I just got it. I thought... I give my heart to Jesus and He wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. And then I went out and disobeyed my mama, which I did quite regularly. He scratched my name out. So I had to come back to church and I had to get down and repent and ask Him to forgive me and save me all over again. I don't want to go to hell. And I felt like every time I sinned, He erased my name. I'm going to tell you something. My papers has so many holes in it, He wore through books. Because I sinned a lot when I was a kid. If I was living under the law, I'd have never made it through my teenage years. They'd have stoned me. But God's grace Finally, one day I realized, I went on a journey myself of studying God's Word and looking. There were so many things that I condemned in people. I see still so many people, they'll sit at a restaurant and they'll look over and see somebody having a beer or margarita with their Mexican food. And they feel so sorry for them because they're going straight to hell. And then they'll go home before bedtime and take a big old cup of NyQuil to help them relax and sleep. I hear a laugh back there. 
If you don't know, NyQuil has just as much alcohol in it as a beer. It's not... Stop judging people. You know they called Jesus a wine bibber because he drank wine. He also made it. I'm just saying. I'm not saying go out and start drinking. I'm saying if you accidentally drink one, it's not a sin and you're not going to hell. Now, everybody don't accidentally drink one, but I, I know somebody did. I won't call their name. <laughs> but it wasn't a sin. Stop condemning people. Comparing, criticizing, putting them down. I'm better than them because they got a tattoo and I don't. They got an earring. I don't. They're this color. I'm this color. They drive that car. I drive this car. They do that. Who cares? We're all sinners. And we all are in need of redemption. If you say, if you sin and you fail, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There are some people that can do things that other people can't. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit convicted you and told you not to do it. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you about something, don't do it. But if you're just not doing things because somebody told you you had to fit in this box and if you did this and this and this and you didn't do this and if you wore this and if you didn't go here and if you acted like this, whatever, then, then you're going to be okay with God. It was a lie. You cannot perform your way into heaven. And after you're born again, stop trying to perform your way into His grace and His love. He already loves you. I could rant and rave for 30 more minutes, but I'm going to quit. I love you. And it breaks my heart. I've done it as a pastor. I've lived in that performance mode. Going home every Sunday, feeling like a failure. You failed. You blew it. That was the worst message. And the devil's right there to tell me, you're right. That was the worst I ever heard. And I quit. You know how many times I quit? And then Monday, got to get back up and go to work. I started, every, I started back every Monday. But when you all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute. I'm a child of the Most High God. It doesn't matter if I do good or bad. If I preach well or don't. It doesn't matter if my voice cracks. It doesn't matter if I snot running down my nose. Tears in my eyes. It doesn't matter if I'm loud or soft. If I sit or stand. Jesus loves me. My sins are forgiven. They're behind His back. Never be forgiven again. Never be remembered again. He's got me. I'm on my way to heaven. I can relax. I'm not trying to perform and put on a show and not trying to look like any certain thing or do this. And you listen, now we grew up, you didn't go to movies. That was a sin. Now, some of the movies you go to are a sin. So I'm saying, don't just go. Careful what you watch. But my brother went to the movies. And he came home, and I'm telling you, Mama walked in the Spirit. She knew it. 
He had the ticket in his pocket. Evidence. He pulled that ticket out of his pocket and ate it. Swallowed it so he would get rid of the evidence. Listen. That's living under a guilt and a condemnation that Jesus never intended for you to live under. He went and saw Peter Pan. Oh my goodness. You big sinner. Now, since then, he's probably watched things that he needs to repent about. But guess what? He's still forgiven. Come on. Because it's not about performance. When we make mistakes, do you know it when you make a mistake? Of course you do. The Holy Spirit lives in us and He tells you. I tell you, I know He, I know he did because I was with Him. But I, He said He slept through it now. Saw one of them shoot them up. They were killing everybody. And the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. We don't need to see all that shoot them up. But in performance mode, man, I'd have felt like I was going to hell. But you know, there's sometimes there's things the Holy Spirit says, You know what? That, that wasn't so good. You didn't need to put that in your mind or your heart and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, Clint, I, I, I want to do right. How many wants to live right? How many wants to please God? Yeah, of course we do. But you know what? It's not just by rules and regulations. A doctor told me I couldn't walk, but, you know, I don't obey everything I'm told by the doctor or my wife. Now, I try to do everything my wife says. But you know what? Even in that performance, I fail sometimes. Not always the best husband. But I want to do better. But you know what? She loves me anyway. When I do good, I got a ring. When I do bad, I got a ring. She's mad at me. I got a ring. Why? Because we're in relationship. Today, I want you to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. You're here today and you maybe have never truly given your life to Christ. You've still been trying to perform your way. Now, every pastor loves a few Pharisees in the church. We do. They're not going to miss a tithe. And they're going to pay on the, the gross. You know, we're gonna, you're going to get a full 10%. They're going to be at every prayer meeting praying loud prayers. They're going to go on every mission trip. They're going to sit in the seat of, uh, of honor. I mean, Pharisees, they're not going to miss a service. Because if they do, God's going to be mad at them. So, you know, pastors like a few Pharisees. Not really. Because that's that performance. Today, I, I, I want Jesus to set you free from that and bring you into true relationship with Him. See, if I was in performance mode, I'd have gone. I've preached 20 minutes too long. My wife's already given me the evil eye. I'm in trouble when I go home. 
But instead, I'm just relaxed. And I'm like, who cares? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just playing. Laugh. Come on. This is a serious thing. Where are you at today? Where are you at today? There you are. Jesus said, unless you come as a little child. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Childlike faith. Yeah. Here's the deal. Teach your children when they perform and do that cute trick. That was so good. But guess what? Even if you do bad, I still love you. If you win the football game, oh, I'm proud of you. I love you. Oh, you lost and fumbled and ran the wrong way. Still love you. Still love you. You can't do anything to make me stop loving you. I'm going to tell you, as children, some of you raised in environments that you felt like that if you every time you messed up, you lost your parents' love. I'm sorry for that because that made you feel like that was how God was. And that's not how God is. He loves you no matter what. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You've been on this hamster wheel of performance. You're tired. Your hopes and dreams have not all been fulfilled. You've been struggling. You need a new mindset. You need to move from struggle to redemption. You need to walk in grace. Grace is such a new concept. Unmerited favor. Can't do anything to earn it. And it's just given to me free. I I, I don't understand that. What do I need to do for it? Nothing. He did it. What do I have to do to keep it? Nothing. He gave it freely. He loves you. Today you want to get off the hamster wheel of performance. And you just want to come into a loving, relaxing relationship. You mean, Pastor, I can just live my life any way I want to, do anything I want to, sin? Paul said, God forbid. They don't just sin. No, we want to do what's right. But we don't do it to try to please Him. We just do it because it's right. I don't kill people because I... Afraid God will be mad at me. I don't kill people because it's not right to kill. I love you. And if I love you, I don't want to kill you. I don't sin because I love Jesus. Not because He won't love me if I do. So, you say, Pastor, today I, I, I get the revelation. You're like me. I got it. Oh, I want that. That's, that's the better way to live. But you say... How do I do it? I can tell you, it takes a walk. It takes time. Because you keep wanting to get over in that performance mode and you got to remind yourself, hey, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? Yeah, it's good to do good things. But am I doing it because I love God? Am I doing it because I want to bless others? Or am I doing it to be seen? Am I doing it for the reward? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I want to change my motives of why I even do good. You say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to start that journey 
from performance to relationship. Today, I want to enjoy the joy of my salvation. And I'd always be worried 24 hours a day that I'm going to make a mistake and go to hell. Hell is not in my future. If that's you, if you want me to pray with you today, for you today, just right where you're at, would you just, eyes closed, just slip your hand up right where you're at. I want to get out of performance mode and into relationship. Yeah, yeah. Should be every hand in the building. Say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, you love me so much that while I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. I had nothing to offer then. I have nothing to offer now. It's not what I can do. It's what you've done. Today, help me get out of performance mode to earn your favor, earn your grace, Earn your forgiveness. Earn your love. I can't do it. But today, I receive the free gift of salvation. I confess all of my sins, everything I've ever done, said, thought. Ever attitude? I repent. And I ask you to forgive me. And because of your love for me. And because of your death on the cross. You forgive my sins. I'm forgiven. Come on, say that. Let let that sink in. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Now, Lord, all of my good works, let them be done just because I love you and I love people. I'm not trying to earn anything. Today I relax. I rest. In the joy of my salvation. Help me. Not to get back on that wheel. Don't let other people put me on that wheel. I'm free. There is therefore now no, no, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm in Jesus and he's in me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just declare your power 
to flood hearts and minds and homes. And well, there's somebody today that needed this. There's somebody that is miserable, but they've been set free by the power of God. They're no longer under guilt and condemnation and shame for things they've already confessed and repented over and been forgiven for. They're going to get up and they're going to walk and they're going to have joy in their life and they're going to serve and love just because. Just because. We're not trying to earn nothing. But we thank you for your grace. Bless the remainder of this week. Bless our men and women on their jobs. Bless the kids in school. Father, I pray you bring us back next week for just an amazing time in your presence. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen.